1: Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Molly Mintz from the Opinion and Analysis Desk. The ZGC Innovation Center, backed by a Beijing venture capital group owned by the city's government, describes itself as a comprehensive incubator for the tech startups of the American future. But the Made in China 2025 industrial initiative has made government officials in America worried. The underlying motivation of the Trump administration's protectionist mood and trade war with China is American anxiety about China's rapidly growing technological advancements, says Sean Donnan. Is investment the newest warfare tactic? And if so, how can it be stopped?
2: The ZGC Innovation Center bills itself as a one-stop incubator for the tech startups of the American future. Its main facility is in Santa Clara, California, just down the road from the Google and Apple campuses. Its new Boston location is squeezed between two of the world's most prestigious educational institutions, Harvard University and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. As well as abundant office spaces and laboratories, the center offers another attraction to ambitious entrepreneurs in artificial intelligence, robotics, and other technologies, capital via its investment fund. Our full incubation and business supporting services in the center will dramatically speed up your startup growth, its website declares. Yet the incubator could also just as easily be ground zero in a 21st century innovation war between the world's two largest economies, Behind the Silicon Valley and Boston facilities is Zhongshuangshan Development Group, a venture capital fund that originated in Beijing's tech district and is owned by the city's government. They are at the sharp end of what has become one of the most neuralgic issues in Washington. While the headlines about the Trump administration's trade war with Beijing often focus on raw materials such as steel, aluminum, and soybeans, the underlying motivation of the new protectionist mood is American anxiety about China's rapidly growing technological prowess. At a time when the U.S. is engaged in a battle for technological preeminence with China, the ZGC project is exactly the sort of state-backed Chinese investment that American politicians across the political spectrum now view with strategic skepticism. China has targeted America's industries of the future, Peter Navarro, the White House's director of trade and industrial policy and a leading China hawk, told reporters recently. And President Donald Trump understands better than anyone that if China successfully captures these emerging industries, America will have no economic future, he adds. Mr. Trump's most immediate fight has taken the form of U.S. tariffs on $34 billion in imports from China that are due to take effect on Friday in a bid to end what the U.S. says has been years of state-endorsed Chinese intellectual property theft. But it is also part of a broader battle against what the White House has labeled China's economic aggression. Viewed from the U.S., President Xi Jinping's Made in China 2025 industrial strategy is a state-led effort to establish Chinese leadership in the foundational technologies of the next generation of commerce and military equipment, notably artificial intelligence, robotics, and gene editing. Many U.S. officials are now questioning one of the basic assumptions about how the economy operates, its openness to foreign investment. Nathan Sheets, a former Treasury under Secretary for International Affairs in the Obama administration, says that when he entered government, he was skeptical of any efforts to restrain foreign investment, but left convinced of the need to fight back. When I open up my textbook and read about the glories of foreign investment, one doesn't have in mind a government amassing a war chest of several billion dollars and then going into a country to systematically buy up companies and technology, he says. As I left the Treasury, I was quite concerned about where this was heading, he adds. While some technology executives extol the potential for cooperation in areas such as AI, the Washington establishment increasingly sees them as central to a growing geopolitical competition. Some U.S. politicians fear it might be too late to take decisive action to prevent Chinese inroads into the tech sector. We may have missed the gluttony on this already. The time we really needed this was a few years back, says Eli Ratner, another former senior official in the Obama administration. The U.S. government does not have the infrastructure needed to properly scrutinize investments, says Mr. Ratner, who was Deputy National Security Advisor to Vice President Joe Biden and advised him on China policy. For that reason alone, Ratner says, a freeze on Chinese investment makes sense in some industries. According to Michael Brown and Pavnit Singh at the Defense Innovation Unit Experimental, the Pentagon-Silicon Valley outpost, Chinese entities participated in up to 16% of all venture deals in early-stage technology companies in the U.S. from 2015 to 2017. That was a sharp increase in the previous years. Between 2010 and 2017, China participated in 81 AI financings in the U.S., which raised $1.3 billion and $2.1 billion of deals in augmented reality startups. Neither the Zhongchuan Development Group nor its U.S. armed ZGC Capital responded to requests for comment. But on its website, the Chinese parent company is open about the purpose of its overseas ventures. Following with national strategy, the Belt and Road initiatives, ZDG is actively expanding its overseas business, it says, citing Mr. Xi's global development strategy. The goal is to, quote, learn overseas experience of innovation ecosystems, end quote. The model is akin to that followed by a growing number of Chinese tech companies and funds that have turned up in places like Silicon Valley, looking to absorb knowledge and startups, says Brewer Stone, a partner at boutique investment bank Influence, which specializes in U.S.-China's tech investment. Much of it is just commercial investment. Their number one interest is in finding good quality companies to invest in and earn good returns, Mr. Stone says. Many Chinese investors are looking for companies that can help their growth plans in China. But occasionally, he has detected what, in hindsight, can seem like odd coordinated behavior. A few years ago, Mr. Stone says, he received three or four calls in one month from Chinese companies wanting to invest in businesses that were suppliers to tech giant Apple. That struck me as interesting. It implied that there could be some kind of coordination behind the scenes, although obviously I don't have proof of that, he explains. While many in Washington look with growing suspicion on Chinese tech investments, there are no shortage of American companies eager for the funding, especially those that are looking to gain entry into a tricky but very large market. Formlabs, a maker of industrial 3D printers based near Boston, which counts former Google chief executive Eric Schmidt amongst its early investors, recently set out to raise capital with one major goal in mind, attracting investors with the connections and know-how to help it crack China. The result, announced by the company in May, was a $30 million infusion from a group of investors that included Shenzhen Capital Group, a venture capital firm launched in the late 1990s by the southern city's municipal government. The new investors did not gain any board seats or secure access to any of its intellectual property, says Chief Executive Max Lebovsky, who founded the company in 2011 with two fellow MIT graduates. But they did bring promises to help Form Labs increase its quote unquote strategic ties to China and relationships with potential customers and suppliers. Those were really valuable things they were offering. That's why we wanted to do it with them, Mr. Lebowski says. Not only is China the number two economy in the world, but it's number one when it comes to electronics manufacturing and high volume manufacturing, he adds. Even though Mr. Trump's focus on Chinese technology has strong bipartisan support in Washington, its tactics have been heavily criticized. The biggest blunder, many critics argue, has been the Trump administration's willingness to wage concurrent trade wars. The IP-driven tariffs push against China has been accompanied by one that has hit allies such as Canada and the EU. Mr. Trump has also backed down on some of his own threats of tough measures. An initial plan called for the U.S. to impose tough restrictions on Chinese investment in key sectors such as AI and robotics and curb exports of quote-unquote industrially significant products. A rollout had been expected on June 30th. But the administration decided last week instead to defer to pending congressional reforms of the already overloaded Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S., The Interagency Committee scrutinizes foreign acquisitions of U.S. businesses for potential national security threats. Administration officials insist that the congressional reforms of the committee known as CFIUS will give them wide latitude to block Chinese investments as needed, something it has been doing with increasing rigor in recent years. But to many, the softer approach announced by the administration amounted to a strategic capitulation. It just reinforces that this is the gang that can't shoot straight, says Rob Atkinson, president of the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation, a think tank. If I were the Chinese, I think this is a pretty good thing. This is a battle that if it is not won in the next year, it's too late. This is our last chance, he emphasizes. The Trump administration critics like Mr. Atkinson charge has also blundered through other important recent episodes. When the U.S. Commerce Department earlier this year banned Chinese handset and telecoms network equipment company ZTE from buying U.S. chips and other components for violating U.S. sanctions on Iran and North Korea, it effectively put the company out of business. However, Mr. Trump subsequently bowed to a request from Mr. Xi, his Chinese counterpart, to become involved in the ZTE case. The president's intervention, which came first in a tweet in which he bemoaned, quote-unquote, too many jobs in China lost, led to a lifting of the ban and a new plea deal that not only was seen as a major concession, but left allies being targeted at the same time with tariffs bemused. We're treating the Chinese better than we are treating our friends, says Derek Scissors, a China expert at the Conservative American Enterprise Institute, who sees the tariffs Mr. Trump is currently threatening against European auto imports as a similar bit of malpractice. We've now got this threat looming in the distance over our allies that is far worse than anything we are doing to the Chinese. We really have lost the plot on who is causing our trade problems, he says. Formlabs' Mr. Lebowski worries that the efforts by Mr. Trump and others to increase scrutiny of Chinese investment might discourage Chinese investors or thinly staffed startups from considering deals. He also sees what looks to him like an industrial policy that could backfire by blocking U.S. companies from interacting with dynamic counterparts in China or being able to do business there. The Trump administration should focus on making our economy and tech industry stronger, Mr. Lubovsky says, adding, if everyone is so worried about Made in China 2025, why don't we do Made in USA 2025 to compete? The irony is that Formlabs 3D printers offer a future for supply chains that might eliminate the need for companies to produce in low-cost countries like China. That, if it happens, would lead to one route home for the manufacturing that Mr. Trump is so eager to repatriate, one currently funded in part by Chinese investors. Technologies like 3D printing can make some of these questions irrelevant in the long term. Mr. Lubowski says, if we do our job well, then manufacturing will happen close to where people are. Close to where the demand is rather than where the specific expertise is.
1: Thanks for listening to the FT Big Read. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on all the usual apps. This episode is produced by Molly Mintz.
0: Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin?
1: Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.